What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. All right, super embarrassing moment, confession time. Two weeks ago on the first episode of 2018, uh, as I came back from a break, I said that the podcast is being listened to in 190, I think I said 192 countries. Um, And I was... (laughs) Uh, that is not what I meant to say that I was clearly mistaken there. I think what the number I was thinking in my head is how many countries are in the world, uh, which PS isn't even right. I think there's 195 countries in the world. Um, so that's super embarrassing. Uh, the podcast is not being listened to in 192 countries around the world. It's being listened to though in 111 countries around the world, which is still amazing and awesome, and I can't believe it. Um, but it's not 192 or 193, whatever I said. So I was wrong on that, and I was also wrong on how many countries are in the world. Uh, I had like two days ago, I was laying in bed, I was having a hard time falling asleep, and then I just like had this random thought out of nowhere, like, "Dude, did you say 192 countries?" And then I like started searching my phone and I went back and listened to the episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. Anyway, I'm really surprised none of you called me out, like sent me an email or reached out to me on social media. It's like, dude, there's no way that there's 192 countries listening to you. 111 is the correct answer. Uh, the honest answer. <laughs> Sorry for an intentional lying to you. Hello, my name is Jared. Welcome to the Dad Tired Podcast. I have ADD and I also tell lies. Uh, I'm a sinful, broken man in need of the gospel, which is what the show is all about. If you're a dad who has uh, stumbled upon the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you. Come hang out with us. We have a closed group on Facebook called Dad Tired. It's a closed group with thousands of guys from around the world who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. We'd love to have you come be part of that. Uh, yeah. So, and I, I mentioned two weeks ago that my wife and I are reading through the Bible, which has been so good. Um, man, I just told one of my best buddies, I was on the phone with him and I was telling him how good it has been, um, of just reading the Bible with my wife, man. It's so, if you have not done that, I can't rec- recommend it highly enough. Um, the way that it looks practically in our house, some of you have been s- sending me direct messages on Instagram, like, Jared, what does that look like practically? So the way it looks practically in our house, number one, we both, uh, we sit somewhere in the house together, either in our den or in the um, kitchen table, living room, or in our bedroom on the bed. Like We're just together. And what we do is we each have our actual physical Bibles out. I bought a new Bible, the ESV um, study Bible, which... Man, highly recommend. I bought the travel size version because they said that it was like travel size. Uh, it's not. It You would need to like check in a separate suitcase to bring this Bible. It's huge. So I can't even imagine what like the non-travel size version is because it's a really big Bible. But it's super, super good. The ESV study notes Bible. I'll put that in the show notes so that you can get a link to that on Amazon. I, that's where I found it the cheapest and quickest. So, uh, the ESV study Bible, I bought that one. And then I bought my wife, the, the new she reads truth Bible. Um, the reason I bought new Bibles, we have Bibles. We didn't need new Bibles, but, um, kind of first world problems here. I just wanted like new, fresh motivation to like get in God's word and to start fresh together. So I bought us each new Bibles. I bought her, the she reads truth, me, the ESV study Bible. I highly 
highly recommend both of them. They're really, really good. The only like bummer part about that is it's two different translations. So when when we're reading together, it, it's a little bit clunky because we we're, it's not the exact same uh, translation. So that's the only thing I'd say about that. Um, but we we're, we have our physical Bibles open, and then we we use the Bible app, um, which is the I think it's Gateway Bible app on your phone in the App Store. Uh, I'm trying to look at it as I speak here. Anyway, I don't want to waste a bunch of time looking for it. Here it is. It's just called the Holy Bible U version Bible app. <clears throat> and on that, there's a bunch you can click in the middle. It says plans. We pick the Bible uh, in a year plan th- through the Bible project. So if you search in the plans Bible project, uh, you'll find their one year and you can start at any time. If, you, if you're like, man, it's too late. I didn't, I missed January one. It doesn't matter. It'll just start you with whatever day you're at. You'll end on January 15th, 2019. So you can start at any time. It doesn't matter. You can go at your own pace. It's only like two to three chapters at a time. So it's really manageable. And then what's cool about the Bible project is they put a lot of uh, their videos at the front end of each day and it gives you context. Those guys are just brilliant. In fact, they'll be on the podcast next week. So get excited about that. Um, they're, they're just brilliant at like breaking down what's happening in the scriptures at the time. Uh, give us context, who wrote it, who's the audience, what does this mean in the bigger story of God? It's just really, really good. I've enjoyed the plan. It's very manageable for busy parents and lifestyle. Um, like I said, two to three chapters a day is what it's been so far. We just finished the book of Genesis. So, uh, and, and practically, so we're sitting there, we've got our Bibles open. We have a journal out. If we, if we fit, I, I never like feeling like I have to do homework or like I have to write something. If something cool pops in and you like read something and just speaks to you, like write it down. You can write like one sentence. Don't feel like you have to journal every day. Some people are into that. I'm not really into that. I just write down thoughts as they come up. If they come up, um, our prayer requests or thoughts or prayers or whatever, as they come up anyway, it doesn't, don't make it like a bigger task than it needs to be, um, on that end. But our dude, our kids are like going crazy during that time. It's not like we have this quiet, deep biblical theological time. There's some really good notes in the ESV version. So we'll read the chapter, read the notes, move on. It's quick. It usually is about 20 to 25, maybe 30 minutes every night that we do this. And like I said, the kids are kind of going crazy. They're Elijah, as you've been watching on my Instagram, he comes in every four minutes and wants to show us a new magic trick. And we have to tell him like, hey, dude, this is mommy and daddy's time. We're studying God's word. But what I love about it is that they see us every time, even though it's like clunky and it's messy and it's interrupted and all that stuff. They see us every single night with our Bibles open together, studying God's word. And man, what a huge picture for your kids. Like they won't understand everything, what you're doing. They're kind of frustrated because they want you to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or watch a magic trick or whatever, but they'll grow up remembering that mommy and daddy together. uh, They'll have that hopefully by the grace of God, like kind of burned into their mind that mommy and daddy were together all the time with Bibles open, studying God's word. And we always invite them in. We always say, if you want to sit quietly and listen, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, 90% of the time they don't, they just like run around and go do their own thing. And we'll have to read something later with them, which I've recommended a couple of resources on that. (coughs) Excuse me. I ate like a whole bag of chips, uh, before I started recording this. Um, but anyway, it's clunky, it's messy. And, uh, and our kids are constantly interrupting us, but I I really think that they're, it's speaking to them a lot, even just by seeing us together studying God's word. So I know that's kind of a long answer there, but some of you have been asking what that looks like practically. And that's what it looks like for us 
practically. Um, in the middle of reading the Bible, we were, we were several weeks into it and I was thinking to myself, like I was kind of getting frustrated based on my personality. I was like, man, why, why doesn't my life look more like the life of these people in scripture? Like I, I want to be encountering and interacting with God the way that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, and eventually we're going to see Moses and Joshua, like all of these characters in scripture, like I want to interact with them, with God, the way that they interacted with God. And I, I want to have this like exciting relationship where God's telling us to do things and there's like miracles happening. And I'm just like, if God's real, if it's the same God, if we serve the same God that's in the old Testament, how come I'm, uh, my life isn't like filled up with these crazy stories and, and big leaps of faith the way that these guys experience it. And then we were reading uh, last night and we were going through kind of some of these big spiritual giants like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And at the end of it, which is awesome, at the end of each of their lives, it just said, and they lived a hundred and something years and they died. And then it just like moves on and you move on to the next character, which tells us two things. Number one is even though we're reading a story about them, it's not really about them. It's we're reading about a bigger story. There's no long funerals in the Bible. There's no like, let's take 16 chapters and remember how awesome his life was. It was like, dude, live. He trusted God or he didn't trust God. He died. Boom. We're moving on to the next person, which tells us that the story isn't about them. It's about God. It's God's grand story. He's the main character of the Bible, not any individual characters that we read about. But also uh, what it tells us is in the midst of their hundred plus years, maybe even, you know, in early scriptures, like several hundred years uh, old as they lived these hundreds of years, like you get like four or five stories of their interactions with God Uh, in a nutshell, in a few chapters, like in four or five chapters or however many chapters, you get a few encounters of what these guys were like as they experienced God. But there's what's not recorded in the Bible are these long stretches of life, like 20, 30, 50 for them, maybe even a hundred year stretch of like the mundane where they're not like, there's no exciting things. There's no chapter written about what they were doing, like as they were eating and working the gardens and like the fields and all this stuff, like they were just being, and they were just like practicing what it looked like to be a follower of God, uh, in the mundane. And that I was like convicted in my spirit, like, man, I want all that. My part, my personality is I want to dream. I want to do exciting things, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just was convicted in my spirit. Like that's not real life. Like real life is there's probably going to be four or five big moments of my life where I need to trust God and be like practice obedience. But the rest Outside of those four or five major moments is going to be mundane, practicing obedience and faithfulness and just like the sludge of everyday life, like the picking up the kids toys and the going to work and the paying taxes, which we're like getting ready for, like all of this mundane stuff that we do. It's in those moments that we're actually practicing obedience and faithfulness. And uh, and it's not recorded in scripture. It's kind of boring. And I thought about it. I started to think about like my time as a pastor and with all my friends and, and people that I've walked through life with and journeyed through life with. I thought, man, it really is like, I, I don't want to like quantify it and put some magical number, but it seems like um, there's like maybe four to 10 major moments of your life where you're going to have to make some big decisions or there's going to be some big life event, um, either for good or bad. Uh, and oftentimes, if, if we're honest, it's like, it can be really hard stuff, really bad stuff, like you losing a job or someone gets really sick or dies um, or you move um, 
I'm trying to think of some like major life events. You, you have a baby, like these are, you find out you're pregnant, you know, like th- these are the, these are the major moments of your life that like you remember that you like, you can, in your mind, there's like a, a flagpole there and you, you can look back and say like, oh yeah, that's when we lost the job or I got fired or we had to move or we found out we were pregnant with another baby or whatever. But there's like these, there's only a few of those like flag posts in your brain and, and in your life where you remember like, oh geez, that, that was like a really big deal. In between those is the mundane, the mundane stuff where you're just like going through life. And here's the thought that I had. As a man who's trying to follow Jesus, I think that God all day, every day is giving us opportunities to practice obedience and faithfulness in the little stuff of life, like little stuff. And I was telling my buddy this today, like as I'm reading scripture and as I'm getting to know God and not trying to make him up in my head, but figuring out who God really is, as I'm like, as I'm reading about him and learning more about him, I'm like getting convicted in my spirit of little sins. And I'm going to confess one to you because this is like a little consistent sin in my life. I call REI... Uh, you know, Aria, I don't know if everywhere in the world, I know everywhere in the world doesn't have it. I don't know how big it is in the rest of the country, but on the West Coast, especially in Oregon area, uh, REI is a big store. Uh, you can think of like Cabela's or uh, Bass Pro Shops or wherever you go for outdoor gear. But REI is a really big store here where we get outdoor stuff. I love REI. It's like Disneyland for me. Uh, and I spend way too much money, which is also like Disneyland. But I go there and uh, I call it rent every item. That's not what REI stands for. It's like Recreational Equipment Incorporated or something like that. I call it rent every item because they have such a good return policy. I remember when I was in high school, one guy that worked there was like, yeah, just try a sleeping bag until you find one that you love. If you don't love it, return it. And I was like, okay. So I tried like 50 sleeping bags and then that just became my motto. Like I'm just going to get it and then return it when I'm done with it, which is really not the right thing to do. And I kind of took that same thinking onto lots of stores and especially like the big corporate stores, you know, that they kind of stick it to the man. I'm like, whatever, Walmart, you know, you're going to like have slave labor in China, labor in China. Like, all right, I'll just rent this item for a week. And then when I'm done with it, I'll return it. Uh, And this is kind of, I'm confessing this. This is a sin. This isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. I have bigger sins, by the way. This isn't like my biggest sin, but just one of my many sins that I struggle with. Uh, anyway, so I, I would return these items and since I've been, this sounds really lame, but since I've been reading the scripture, I'm like, I told my wife, I was like, oh, I'm just going to return it. And then I had this check in my gut, like, oh crap. Like I probably shouldn't do this. Like this isn't what a follower of God looks like. We should look different than the rest of the world. We should be set apart. We should be salt and light even, uh, when nobody's looking. And I think it, the, the reason I'm saying this is because I think God every day gives us these moments to practice obedience in the little things and the small things and the mundane things. And maybe this is a big deal to you. Maybe you listen to the podcast and you're like, holy crap, Jared's a thief. Um, I hope that's not the case. Um, but if it is, you know, maybe there's smaller things. Uh, but all day, here's a good example. I went to, I was, we were at some restaurant the other day, uh, fast food. I took the kids to some fast food, probably McDonald's or something, get them a happy meal. And we went through the drive through. I think I gave the woman a $10 bill and she gave me change back. And somehow in my change, I ended up with a 20 and I drove, I didn't even realize it until I 
drove away and I was like, all right, you know, sweet. She just gave me $20. And immediately I had to check my gut. Like, ah, this isn't right. Like that's stealing, you know? So I just flipped back around and I went back and I said, Hey, uh, you gave me too much change back. And I had to pull out my phone to pull the calculator out because I suck at math and I had to figure out how much we owed each other, but it made it right. But it's in those little things, man. It's the, the little practicing all day, every day, the mundane stuff of life where you're practicing obedience because there will be maybe four to 10 times in your life where God is going to present an opportunity or a situation or a hardship. And it will be in those moments that you say, man, I'm either going to trust God in faith. I'm either going to step out in faith and move towards something that's scary, that uh, doesn't feel comfortable. Or you're going to shy away from it and miss out on some area of growth or some big opportunity or something that God had for you because you had not been practicing obedience in the small things. And so you ask yourselves, like, am I being faithful to talk to my neighbor when I see him outside? Am I being faithful to speak life into my coworkers when everyone else is gossiping? Am I being faithful to hand the cashier the correct amount of change or to tell her she's given me too much change? Am I being faithful when I'm alone for my wife and kids? Am I being faithful when you see somebody in need, like who needs a meal or a jacket or a pair of shoes in these little things in the day to day as you're driving as you're at work, as you're alone, as you're with your kids, are you being faithful in the day-to-day to practice obedience so that when one of those major four to 10, again, that's not a math equation, but four to 10 major life moments happen that you've practiced your obedience so much that when something big happens, when God says, uh, you know what, I want you to pick up your family and go to a place that I tell you, or I want you to confess this to your wife or to your friends, Or I want you to seek reconciliation with this person who you hate. Or I want you to quit this job and move to a different job or a different state. Or I want you to uh, move into this neighborhood with the intention of being on mission to these people who maybe you don't even feel like you know or you can understand or you get. Or maybe I want you to uh, start to give sacrificially beyond what you can afford. When God presents these moments where you feel like, man, I don't have the faith, I don't understand, that you could step into them because you've been practicing what obedience looks like in the mundane, in the small things, in the in-between of the big chapters that we see in the Bible, where God isn't making this grand, miraculous miracle where he isn't showing up in a burning bush. It's just like the day in, day out faithfulness of following God and that we've practiced and the little things. And this is what I want for my kids. I want them to exercise the muscle of obedience and have faith and trust of God, even when it doesn't make sense. This is the kind of stuff I want for my kids. And so I was thinking, man, I want to start teaching my kids to be obedient, not because it's the right thing to do or because I want them to be well-behaved children or because it makes sense for my life. Right? Like, I don't want them to just be obedient in the small things like, hey, go pick up your Legos or clean the room or, or move the dishes, the dirty dishes off the counter into the sink uh, because it's convenient or because I really want my kids to be the most well-behaved kids in our friend circle. 
I want them. I want to start teaching my kids that obedience, uh, the reason we practice obedience, the reason that we do these little things like son, daughter, Elijah, Eden, the reason I tell you to pick up your Legos and to clean your room and that I expect you to be obedient or the reason I say go over there even if you don't know why I'm telling you to go over there or come back here even if I you don't know why I'm telling you to come back. The reason I'm doing this, Elijah and Eden, son and daughter, is because I want you to practice obedience because one day your heavenly father, your better daddy, is going to ask you to do things that are scary, that don't make sense. He's going to allow you to be in situations that might hurt or that don't make sense or require an incredible amount of faith. And I want you to be so disciplined in your practice of obedience that you willingly, like Abraham woke up the next morning to sacrifice Isaac. I want you to have that kind of faith to wake up, to immediately respond to what God tells you to do, regardless of whether you understand it or not, or whether it makes financial sense or not, or whether it even makes physical safety sense or not. When God asks you to do things, would you willingly and faithfully step into what he's calling you to do because you've practiced obedience? This is what I want for my kids. I want my kids to learn how to practice obedience in the mundane so that when God calls them to something bigger, they do it faithfully and without question. I think it's okay to tell your kids that, by the way. I I think it's okay just to like straight up say it. I think it's okay to tell your kids your strategy. Like, son, I'm telling you to pick up your Legos and I want you to do it. And I want you to practice obedience because one day God's going to ask you to do something. And I want you to faithfully obey him when he asks you to do something. And just say it. Like, just tell him why you're parenting that way. But that would that be the motivation for our parenting strategy? Would that be the motivation for us to teach our kids obedience in the mundane? Not that they would just be well-behaved kids, but that they would be kids who have practiced obedience so that one day when their heavenly father asks them to do something, they do it without question. And that would also be true for us men. Would we be faithful in the mundane to practice obedience in the little things of life so that when our Heavenly Father asks us to do something, we do it without reservation? Quickly step into obedience. I love you guys. Uh, I hope this is helpful for you. These are the things I'm processing this week. Um, Hey, if this is helpful for you, I've asked you this before, but if it's helpful, would you just pause the podcast right now? Leave a one sentence review on iTunes. That is so helpful. It allows more guys to get exposed to what God's doing here. But I love you guys. I'll look forward to hanging out and chatting with you in the closed Facebook group, but have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Later.